If chocolate is your weakness, the real chocolate decadence of Flava Naturals Performance Chocolate can be your strength. I've been searching high and low for cocoa products that deliver meaningful amounts of healthful flavanols with great flavor and minimal sugar. So I'm thrilled to have found Flava Naturals. Extensive research demonstrates the remarkable benefits of daily cocoa flavanols on brain and heart function, including a recent Harvard study showing a 27% reduction in cardiovascular death. But you need to eat five or more ordinary dark chocolate bars every day to match the flavanols consumed in most of these studies. Flava Naturals Performance Dark Chocolate Cocoa Powder and beverages deliver five to nine times the flavanols of typical dark chocolate. Their secret is sourcing premium, high flavanol cocoa beans and processing them naturally. The result is decadent dark chocolate with the flavanol levels needed to fuel brain and cardio performance. I use it every day. For more information and to order, just go to flavanaturals.com. That's flavanaturals.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Um, today, we're going to take up a, a subject that uh, I think is about most importance because the nice thing about uh, natural medicine, uh, and I call this a, the 90-10 principle, uh, is that with natural medicine, uh, with about 10% of the effort, you can get about 90% of patients better. That's with uh, better uh, diet, uh, with uh, better nutritional supplements, uh, smattering of uh, omega-3 fatty acids, and uh, maybe a multivitamin, vitamin D, uh, perhaps some CoQ10, and on and on it goes, uh, and uh, good sleep, some exercise. You can get about 90% of patients better uh, with 10% of the effort, but uh, there remain a cohort of patients, complex patients, challenging patients, patients who don't get better with the simplest measures. Uh, that's the 10% of patients for whom we have to consecrate about 90% of our efforts, the complex patients. And today we're going to talk to an expert in dealing with them. He's written a great book. Uh, I recommend it highly. It reads like uh, a how-to handbook uh, for dealing with complex, refractory, mysterious ailments, the kind that we in the field of complementary alternative medicine see all the time. The book is entitled Toxic. Heal Your Body from Mold Toxicity, Lyme Disease, Multiple Chemical Sensitivities, and Chronic Environmental Illness. That's a mouthful, I know. We're going to explain. Uh, Dr. Neil Nathan is the author, and he's today's guest. Uh, and he's uh, written extensively uh, on the subject. He's a veteran in this field. He's been practicing uh, for uh, over 40 years. Uh, he has lectured to medical audiences, uh, both here and internationally. And written several books, including Healing as Possible, New Hope for Chronic Fatigue, Fibromyalgia, Persistent Pain, and Other Chronic Illnesses. And he's also an expert on mold and mycotoxins, having written a book on that subject, uh, Current Evaluation and Treatment 2016. And uh, now he's here with this uh, latest volume. And I, I must congratulate you, uh, Dr. Nathan, because the book is comprehensive and it's very generous because it shares very, very specific uh, protocols for dealing with uh, some of these complex problems. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much, Ron. I appreciate that. High praise. Uh, indeed. So uh, so let's, 
Why is it that these patients, uh, you know, are hard to treat? And maybe describe a, a typical patient who comes uh, with a bewildering array of symptoms, often uh, labeled psychosomatic. Well, uh, first of all, um, it used to be that that was 10% of my patients, but um, over the years, that's now 90% of my patients because um, I get referrals from other physicians for that 10% that is so complicated and so difficult to treat. So um, that group of patients has taught me a great deal over the years, and that's what I was trying to share with the book that I wrote. So to answer your question, um, the kind of patient who comes to my office is one who has typically seen many, many physicians, um, often many conventional doctors and even some functional or integrative physicians, and they typically have a myriad of symptoms with things like intense anxiety or depression, intense fatigue, cognitive impairment, difficulty with focus, memory, concentration. They typically will have pain in both muscles and joints, muscle weakness. They'll have slowly increasing sensitivities to almost everything, sensitive to light, sound, touch, EMFs, and chemicals and foods and and more and they've gotten so complicated that I, I think that many of the conventional doctors who see them originally assume that well nobody can have all those symptoms so this has got to be in your head which has added to their difficulties because now their family has started to disbelieve their own perceptions and experience and so most of these patients are exceptionally um, frustrated by their contacts with us in the medical field because they don't feel like they've been listened to or heard. This is sometimes referred to uh, somewhat disparagingly in medicine as uh, la maladie de petit papier. That's in French. It means uh, the malady of the little piece of paper, which is a patient comes in with a voluminous list of uh, seemingly disparate symptoms, and the doctor rolls their eyes and says, when there's so many symptoms, this must be psychosomatic it must be uh, from the mind because it's not localized to uh, the abdomen uh, or to the throat uh, or to one particular part of the body yeah exactly and the problem is they're really sick and they have real illness it's not in their head and it's simply that many of those practitioners have not heard of or not aware of the kinds of illnesses which will actually produce this which here's the good news they're treatable so if you can learn how to listen to the patient's story and go, ah, that makes sense once I understand that pattern of symptom, now I know what to look for, and I also then know how to approach it. Uh, well, you, you refer to something called the, the CDR uh, in, in the book, and uh, this, has to, this is kind of a unifying theory as to why so many symptoms arise. Can you explain that? Yeah, of course. Uh, the CDR stands for the Cell Danger Response. Um, it's the brainchild of a brilliant um, geneticist and pediatric MD-PhD who teaches at UC San Diego uh, at the medical school named Bob Navio. Mm -hmm. and, and Bob is one of the brightest people I've ever met. Yeah, I've read some of his works. They're absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to read what he puts together. And I've had the pleasure of doing research with him and working with him and 
um, what he has put forth, as you're saying, is a unifying theory or understanding of how all of these chronic illnesses start and continue and get stuck in a place where that being doesn't know how to move it forward. And a very simple model or way of looking at it would be, let's say you had a viral infection. The, the body, the cell, on a cellular level, the cell recognizes the intruder, and the part of the cell that does this regulation is the mitochondria, the part of the cell that is responsible for making energy for us. And it takes that information and it goes through a sort of a, a dance in which it intentionally shuts down a lot of the biochemical machinery to protect that cell from this invader. One simple example of that would be um, it stops the body from methylating because the virus can't replicate, can't grow, unless it hijacks our cellular ability to methylate. So virtually all of our very sick patients do not methylate very well. And uh, that's recently been recognized as a truism. But what many people don't understand is that isn't something to be immediately rectified because the, the, the cell may not be ready to start methylating yet. So part of Dr. Navio's theory is once this shutdown has occurred, basically it's in a state in which it's going danger, anger, 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 danger. And the body shuts itself down to protect itself from that danger. Unfortunately, in a wide variety of insults to the body, which include infections and toxins like mold, it doesn't really know when the coast is clear. And in fact, if those things aren't treated, the coast isn't clear and it can't shut it off and it continues to be inflamed as a, as a wrong path of how the body normally would fight that infection. So, so it's, it's stuck like a broken record for those of us who yeah. are old enough to remember what it was like <laughs> to play a scratchy record in our dorm rooms, uh, and it would get stuck. And, it, you know, we'd have to, uh, you know, it was annoying, and then we'd have to move over and lift the needle and, and <laughs> make it, you know, get it out of its out of its groove. But the body, too, gets stuck in an aberrant pattern, and that may account for conditions like chronic fatigue syndrome, post-Lyme syndrome, uh, multiple chemical sensitivity, fibromyalgia, and a myriad of, of challenging disorders. Orders, right? Yes. <clears throat> um, in, in fact, you know, we Dr. Navio has done some fabulous research in chronic fatigue and autism, in which he's shown um, and demonstrated that this actually does occur, and proposes a variety of ways in which we can shut down this danger signal to tell the cell and hence the whole organism. Yes, it's safe. Now we can get well. Well, you talk about uh, the centrality of mold exposure as a precipitant. And, you know, a lot of people may be unaware that mold may have set their immune system into a, a CDR state. Uh, and, you know, with the, the hurricanes, with the floodings that we see, you know, so frequently now, uh, mudslides in California, hurricanes in Florida and the Gulf, uh, Superstorms like Sandy, uh, houses are being uh, inundated, and uh, you don't have to actually undergo a, a major superstorm to be exposed to mold, right? No, all it takes is a uh, a leak in your roof 
or you know a water heater that starts leaking in the basement any water damage to a building can produce water which then will allow the growth of mold species which can be quite toxic to us and and how do they uh how do they affect us because Traditionally, you know, if you go to an allergist, the allergist will test you, do skin test you to see if you're sensitive to mold, or maybe they'll do a blood test. And, uh, you know, sometimes they'll say, well, your symptoms can't be due to mold because you, you know, you don't test positive. You're not allergic to mold. But there's actually another right. mechanism by which mold wreaks havoc. Right. So mold can cause problems by allergy, which it does for some people, but also by toxicity, meaning mold toxin has a profound effect on the body and it's one of these triggers of this cell danger response looping process, broken record process. And many, what we've learned in the last 20 years, and this is a new concept in that, in that way, what we've learned is even if you were in a moldy environment and left it, once mold has been in you, it may colonize. It may actually start growing in your sinus and gut areas, and it will keep making toxin even if you move from that moldy environment. So for many people, their immediate thought is, well, yeah, I lived in a moldy house, you know, 10 years ago, but I'm, I couldn't possibly have mold now because I'm long gone from there. And they don't realize that they still might. How does this relate to the, the yeast connection? I mean, this is a paradigm that revolutionized uh, uh, complementary medicine, uh, back when we got started in the 60s and 70s. And is there an updated version of uh, Candida or the yeast connection that relates to overall mold susceptibility? Well, yeah, I think that that was the tip of the iceberg here in which we were seeing that. Um, and Candida is in the fungus mold family, and it is thought to make a particular mold toxin called gliotoxin. Um so does other mold species. That just by the sound of it, it sounds like that affects the brain, the glia of the brain. Is that is that accurate? Um, it does, but that's not where the name just comes from. That's just somewhat a, separate. Okay. Yeah, it's a nice putting it together, but I don't think it quite works that way. Okay. But of the things that mold toxin does, and I'll get back to the question you asked a few moments ago, mold toxin can do all those things. In, in that hypothetical patient I talked about. So it can inflame any and every part of the body, and every system of the body is affected. So it can affect the brain in causing cognitive issues, chronic fatigue, um, difficulty with anxiety, depression, and other psychological issues. It can affect um, the endocrine system by inflaming the pituitary. So it will affect thyroid, adrenal, sex hormone issues, it will directly affect the gut so that it'll throw the entire intestinal dysbiosis into disarray. It will affect the, the bladder and the pelvic area. It will affect the muscles and the joints, um, nerves in other areas specifically. It'll affect the lungs. It will cause shortness of breath. It will cause wheezing, which is not asthma and not allergic. Um, it can cause palpitations. And, and I'm only touching on it. So it can do a wide, wide variety of things, which will vary from one person to another based on genetics and, and one's unique biochemical makeup. 
So how do you determine if mold is responsible for your problems? Because with such a vast array of symptoms, uh, it, that's not very specific, is it? No, and, and the first thing is to think of it as a diagnosis. So if you're faced with, with a patient or if you are a patient or, or a loved one of someone who seems to be um, suffering from something very complicated, if you think of mold toxicity, it's a fairly easy thing to diagnose. All you need to do is get a urine specimen, and I want to expand on that in a moment, a simple urine specimen sent to either the Great Plains Laboratory or to the real-time laboratory, and they will test it for a wide variety of mold toxins. If it's positive, you've got your diagnosis, and you have a blueprint for treatment. And there are other tests, blood tests, that may indicate uh, various forms of uh, immune activation that mold is responsible for causing. Uh, those are, yeah, the, those are there are. Doc, yeah, Dr. Shoemaker pioneered these tests, and... Um, they're not as specific as the urine mold test because they they will tell you that something is inflaming the body. Um, for example, this test called C4A, TGF-beta-1, a test called MMP9, veg Tests that you wouldn't ordinarily get. It's not part of your regular blood test. No, pad. no, these are, these are not standard tests, but they do exist. They can be done by LabCorp and Quest, and they can, if they are positive, they can suggest either mold or some infectious agent, but they don't quite nail the diagnosis the way the urine tests do. And there's a simple self-test that's available, I believe, through Dr. Shoemaker's website. It involves uh, visual acuity, right? Yes, correct. Um, and yes, on Dr. Shoemaker's site, which is survivingmold.com, you can simply uh, check your vision and see if this even might apply to you. And again, that's a that's a crude test, mm -hmm. but that test will be positive if you have either mold or Lyme or mercury toxicity. So it tells you you've got a problem, but it doesn't tell you where the problem is. So I know it's uh, a challenging process, but uh, there's some innovative ways that you can get rid of mold. I mean, obviously, the first task is to identify your source of exposure. Is it from outside? Is it from inside? Is it in your nasal passages? Do you have dysbiosis? Uh, these are things that should be undertaken as a, a first step, right? Yeah, there's three main components to treatment. First, you need to evaluate your environment, as you're suggesting, home, work, car, uh, there's some simple testing that could be done to tell you whether or not that's where you're being exposed. Now, obviously, if you smell it in your home or see it or have had water damage, then that becomes a tad more obvious. But sometimes it's not obvious. Sometimes you can't smell it or see it. Um, but there are methods in which you can vacuum dust from a room and have that evaluated for the presence of mold. You can do what are called mold plates where you can put out a Petri dish in a room and and see what grows on that Petri dish. So it, you won't get well if you don't clean up or leave a moldy environment. I mean, that's, that's job one. The second component of treatment is you, you need to take what are called binders, which are materials, many of them are natural, a few of them are... Um, prescription materials, 
which specifically bind the mold toxins that we know can cause these illnesses that show up on these urine tests. So when we get the urine test back and it shows us that you have specific toxins present, then we go, ah, I know what binds that particular mold toxin and that's how I'm going to start treatment with my patient. And these include things like uh, charcoal, chlorella, bentonite clay, saccharomyces boulardii um, on the natural side. And on the prescription side, it includes materials like cholestyramine or Wellcol. And that by combining these to take care of the different toxins, you can pull most of the toxins out of the body. And I know now, I know from your book that it's not just a matter of a cookbook approach of blasting away with uh, any one of these, because patients with mold sensitivity uh, who are in this state of uh, chronic uh, immune activation, uh, they're very sensitive, and sometimes they require uh, teeny tiny doses. And uh, you know, the tendency for some patients is to say, "Doc, bring it on! I just want to get this over with." Not a good idea, according to your book. Yeah, absolutely correct, Ron. There are some very, very um, patients with strong constitutions who could do that. You know, that whole throw it at me, doc, I need to get well. But unfortunately, mold toxin inflames the system and sets off a couple of other things that have to be addressed before you can even get the treatment. So, for example, most patients who have developed multiple chemical sensitivities meaning a huge difficulty taking any of these supplements, it's triggered by mold. There's a condition called mast cell activation in which one of the cells in the body can become inflamed from mold toxin and it releases histamine when, when you eat or drink almost anything when they're inflamed. And that has to be quieted down. So most of the patients I treat have become extremely sensitive to virtually everything they take, and as you're pointing out correctly, need to be placed on minuscule doses of these things and slowly worked up so that they are able to begin to get these toxins out. Okay, we're going to get to step number three. I interrupted you. Ah, well, step number three is, as I mentioned before, the mold usually in many of our patients starts to colonize in the gut and sinus area and even when you pull the toxin out if you don't get rid of the mold or candida both of which cohabit usually you've got to treat the sinus and gut with antifungal medications and biofilm dissolving agents to get rid of what's there then the patient can completely recover but i will say that they will be more sensitive to mold exposure in the future Okay, this is a good point at which to pause. I mean, this uh, is just uh, the tip of the iceberg of uh, the paradigm that you utilize to treat challenging patients, because there are many, many aspects to this. The book is Toxic, Heal Your Body from Mold Toxicity, Lyme Disease, Multiple Chemical Sensitivities, and Chronic Environmental Illness. Uh, it's a hopeful book because uh, there may be an answer to patients who've been plagued uh, with symptoms that are stuck and that have resisted uh, all manner of treatment for years, our guest, Dr. Neil Nathan. And uh, in part two, we'll talk a little bit about uh, also uh, the nature of his practice when we return.